there. Welcome to the Adorable Boy Podcast. I am your fearless leader, Spud Adorableski. Frank and Beans, he's behind the glass, doing a better job today. But I must admit, I'm not as jovial as I usually am when I start the podcast. Um, I'll get there, but I'm just kind of bummed out. Our uh, general manager, as you know, Tom, he's just, he's, you know, I'm starting to, I, I hate to say this, but I'm starting to regret hiring him. Um, it's just one thing after another with him. And I understand, you know, he's here to make profits. We're all here to make profits. He has bosses to appease. But, you know, when you hurt, when you hurt the quality of the show, the profits aren't going to be there. And that's what I try to keep telling him. Try to think long term, you know, try to have a vision. And if you, if you can't have that vision, trust me, because I know what I'm doing. I started this from scratch. But the, the main issue is, you know, he wants to, st- he wants to start selling T-shirts and he wants to start uh, having a Patreon, you know, so we can get money income from there, even though we're doing, we're making quite a profit without those things. Um, as far, and they're two separate issues, I guess. Uh, the, as far as the T-shirts go, I'm just not the kind of performer that tries to bleed his audience dry. You know, we made some T-shirts for charity back in the old days with the radio station. I was forced to, and I, I was kind of happy to do it. I mean, we made like a billion dollars or something for a charity. It's a great, great thing. Um, but I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not into doing that at, at all, really. But if I'm going to do it, it has to be for a cause like that. Because I don't want to be, if they, if they, there's plenty of places they can make their own T-shirts. And I've seen homemade Adorable Boy T-shirts out there. They're great. I love them. I encourage the fans to do it. If the fans want to sell them and other people want to buy them, I'm cool with that too. As long as, you know, they follow licensing rights. Because that's a big deal. Um, but I'm just, I, I don't, I don't feel like bleeding my audience, you know, for every last penny. It's not, it's not the way I do things. I go and put out quality content. I'm not a clothes manufacturer. You know what I mean? Um, so he just, he, he won't let, uh, no, no, Frank and Beans, I do not want him in here. No. Frank and Beans just asked me in my ear if we would like, uh, Tom to come in. And I, I don't want him. I don't want to see him. He's probably taking a nap anyway. I don't need him in here for this. He can listen to it later when he has his tomato soup and grilled cheese. I do not want to sell t-shirts. We're not some kind of cheap brand to put out everywhere. That's not how we work. We put out quality content and that's how we make our money and we're doing great. And as far as the Patreon is concerned, you know, I have nothing against it and anyone who wants to do it, you know, if people, if they want to make money from that because their fans want to donate to them, I, I love that actually. That's great. Wonderful. Keep doing it. The problem is, one, we get money from our sponsors, so we don't need that. And two, I'm from like a, I'm from a bygone era of radio, you know? So I, it's just not my thing. It just isn't. And I'm not saying we'll never have a Patreon. Maybe we will someday. But when we do, it'll be the right time. And it'll be for the right reasons. We don't really need We need it now. You know, our, our fans are our fans and we make our money and everyone's happy. Um, but, it, you know, maybe, maybe in the future, maybe, who knows? But as of right now, we're not doing that. We just like to give. We give and give and give. And sure, we get compensated. But the fans, they get all the entertainment. So if you want to support the show, you know, support the sponsors if you, know, if you find a real one. Um, but I don't, we don't need your donations. We appreciate that you want to donate to us. But it's okay. We love you. And of course, you know, Tom says the people love you. You have millions of fans. They all want to help you. They all love you. We should get as much as we can. 
and I'm just not into it, you know? We're doing great here. We got a flow going. I don't want to mess up the flow. No amount of money is worth messing up the flow because if the flow gets messed up enough, no more podcast. All these years of legendary broadcasting, gone. I'm not going to let that happen. Not on my watch. So, Tom, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't regret hiring you. I'm sorry for saying that. I don't want to be mean. But on these two issues, there is no compromise. What I say goes. I'm the adorable boy. I represent the interests of the adorable boy still missing. Hashtag bring them home. We'll find you. But I'm a man of principle. And this is a podcast of principle, if nothing else. It's a podcast of principle. And we're going to stand by that. All right, we have so much to get to you. And I, I don't want to belabor that point. I said what I had to say. Anyone who wants to know what I think on the matter can listen to it, including Tom. All right. Okay, so what should we jump into, Frank and Means? So I'm going to leave it up to you, producer extraordinaire. I called you that. Yes, I believe in you, even after last week's debacle. Is our guest here, Frank and Means? Not yet. Okay. We have a huge guest here coming today. Um, that was an awkward sentence. We have a huge guest coming today, and uh, you're going to love it, but they're not here yet, so we'll give them time. They got, well, they're here, but they got to set up, and that's, that's fine. No big deal, Frank and Means. All right, so... Um, one thing I, I was thinking about, you know, every time you turn on the news, you see something about trans or gay or bi or whatever. And here at the Adorable Boy Podcast, we are very inclusive. We, we invite everyone to be an Adorable Boy disciple, and there are Adorable Boy disciples of every persuasion throughout the world. But it really got me thinking about all this corporate stuff, too. Like, you know, in the last few months, Bud Light had some some person on their cans and it caused a firestorm and apparently no one drinks Bud Light anymore. Um, Target had like trans um, clothing like out in the, in, the, in the store, like prominent, not only out, but like they were calling attention to it. People got mad. They, they put it, they made it more subtle, I guess, or took it away. I don't know which. People got mad at that. So all that. And it just made me think, can we address the real problem here, and that's the problem of mental illness, and I'll, I'll explain. So I, I never in my life have I gone to a store and, and only sought to buy something from that store if I know that the store's management and workers and everyone off the line approves of all my life decisions. I've never thought that. I don't care. If I go to Target, I'm going there for something overpriced probably. And, um, and I just go in there, I'm going there to get that. I don't need them to approve of me. I need them to take my money and give me the thing. That's all I need. No, I don't drink beer. My body's a temple, but if I did, I wouldn't need the approval of the people who make the beer. So how did we get here? How do we get to the point where these corporations are, are spending millions of dollars probably trying to figure out how they can best show that they support some marginalized group. Well, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine it went something like, you know, there are these big groups who claim to speak for any number of, of these marginalized groups, um, and they, they make money off of that. Really, they make money exploiting the people who are members of the groups they're pretending to represent. So these big groups, they get numbers, they get power, they get money behind them. And they go to corporations and say, hey, 
You know, you're not, you're not showing that you support trans at all. And any sane corporate person would say, we, we, just, we just sell beer. We, we're just a store. We just sell milk. We don't support or not support. We, we're just doing this. I have my personal opinions, but as a, as a company, we're just trying to sell milk. And then these mobsters came and said, well, that's not good enough. So if you don't, if you don't play ball, we're going to tell everyone how you don't support trans people. And in their eyes, you'll be transphobic and you'll have protests and you'll have riots. And I'm sure that's, you know, how this built up subtly, subtly, subtly until we got to the point where it's just known, you know, every single company, every single, every, everyone who, who wants to make any money has to actively speak out against quotation marks hate in a way that is acceptable to this group that is putting the pressure on them. And then Target and Bud Light found out they went a little bit too far and the other side pushed and both of them had trouble. Bud Light still having trouble. I think Target's kind of shut up about it. They let it blow by, which in their situation, they were, in the situation that they were in was probably the best option at this point. But, but no one ever, like it's, it's a fundamental thing that you should learn as a child. You should learn. A lot of people don't and that's not always their fault. But you shouldn't need validation from Target. You shouldn't need validation from Bud Light. You know, if your parents do their job, which many don't, we know, then they'll say they should, at first, you're going to seek their approval. And as you grow, they'll shape you into knowing that you need your approval. You have your own morality, and you need, to, you need to be able to look at yourself in the mirror. And that's all that matters. And the world can be a very ugly place filled with very ugly people. And if you seek approval from all of them, it's going to destroy you. Because there are people out there who know you want approval and will do everything but give your approval just so they can exploit you. So you should understand this as you get older. And I think a lot of people in the you know, trans, gay, bi, whatever communities, they're not understanding this. They think that everyone needs to tell them that they're good. And that is, that is, that is a mental illness. Not one that you know, can't be fixed, but that's what it is. So as a people, we should stop looking at Target and, and whoever to validate us. And if you're, if you're part of one of those groups and you're listening, you're an adorable boy disciple, you don't need their validation. You're good on your own. If you're okay with yourself, if you're not hurting anyone else, you're good. And invariably, uh, critics of this, we have a lot of people who hate listen to the Adorable Boy podcast. Um, they're adorable boy disciples. They just don't know it yet. But they're going to say, well, what if the, comp the company supports Nazis? What if they support white supremacists? Should we not expect them to, to denounce that? And I mean, if a company, if you know a company supports Nazis, yeah, it's, it, it makes sense. It's not a mental illness to say, I'm not shopping there because I don't like them. I don't support what, they, what they're about. But for a company to have to come out and validate everything that everyone is, is insanity, in my opinion. That's why the adorable boys, you know, we, we come as you are. We love you all, saints and sinners alike. But don't search for validation from the adorable boys. Find it in yourself. And don't, if you're, if you're LGBTQ, whatever, 
don't search for validation from Target and Bud Light and, you know, when will it stop? You'll go to every single company in the world. And when you get to the end, if you got validation from everyone that exists on the planet, it wouldn't be enough. It would never be enough. That's why I'm annoyed every time I see, you know, a, a normal person would just assume that Walmart, for example, you know, doesn't hate any group of people. I'm going to assume that. I don't need Walmart to come out and tell me, you know, hey, we like Irish people, we like Polish people, we like fat people, we like skinny people, we like everyone. I don't need them to come out and say that. I'm going to assume that Walmart as a company doesn't hate anybody. And if, it, if, if I'm ever proven wrong, then I'll change my mind about Walmart. So stop seeking the validation. That's my, that's my point here. Anyway, not just LBGTQ. Everyone. But especially, you know, in light of recent events, the, that community. Because it seems like there's some mental illness there. If you need every single corporation to love you and validate you. But, and you know, it's, it does. Individuals in that community seem to have a tad more mental illness. Some of them, not, you know, of course. And some of them deal with it fine and get over it. And some of them try to destroy the world for some reason. I don't know. Maybe that's what we should be looking at. But all these groups, like the groups I talked about that probably did the mob-like tactics, they don't care about the individual. They don't care about the group. They care about getting what they can get. They want money. They want power. They want whatever they want in their sick little hearts. So they're not going to help any LGBTQ or anyone else. Because all they care about is, is forcing themselves on everyone and eventually getting money when some people reject them. And the way for that community to break free of those tyrants is to validate themselves, is to look into themselves, find happiness, find, find contentment in themselves. So there. That's what the adorable boys think, laying it down for you, the whole controversy, Bud Light, Target, whoever. There you go. Frank and Beans is our guest here. He is. All right, wonderful. Fantastic. All right, so we played a clip last week, um, or last episode, of Joe Biden not sounding great, let's be honest. Um, so I think, well, not me, okay, I had nothing to do with this, but a, a guy created a, a robot that can kind of stand in place for Joe Biden. He says he implanted Biden's personality, in, personality into it, and it, it usually predicts exactly what Biden will say. So what he wants to do, he wants to get this to the White House, and they can use this for interviews sometimes when Joe is, you know, tired or whatever, um, unable to speak. So we brought him in, and I'm actually going to have the first official uh, interview with uh, Joe Bot, the robot president. Yeah, yeah, I, clap it up. Yeah, wonderful. It's a short applause break, but whatever. Um, oh, yeah, bring him in, Frank. It means let's have it. So the guy's not going to talk. I'm just going to talk to President Joe Bot, and he wants to do that purposely so that we can really create the, the presidential interview vibe. All right, so let's welcome Joe Bot, the robot president. Thank you for joining us, Joe Bot. Yes, let the music play. Wonderful. Thank you for being here, Joe Bot. Um, I've got a few questions for you. Hope you'll indulge me with some answers and we'll, uh, we'll get this going, right? 
My name is Jova. All right, you know your name. Hey, that's a you're almost on par with the real President Biden, right? Right, Joe Bot? That's funny. Okay, so I'm gonna get down to my first question. Let me find him. Frankie Means, we got the questions. I they were supposed to be right here. Yeah, send the intern into them. Thank you. Sorry, Joe Bot. This is horribly unprofessional in front of the robot president. Okay, here we go. Um let's see what's the first question. Okay, President Joe Bot. My name is Joe Bot. No, I, I know, but you're here representing the president. You're supposed to be doing interviews like you're the president, so I, I would think President Joe Bot would be, the, would be fine. I knew you would ask a lousy question. I haven't really asked a question yet, Pre- President Joe Bot. Um, you, you're very standoffish with the press, and you, your robot counterpart is too, so I guess this designer guy here, he's done a pretty good job. That is malarkey. Oh, yeah, you use mal- malarkey, yeah. 81 million people voted for a guy who uses slang from the 1920s. I, I, but what is malarkey, Mr. President? I don't understand what's going on here. I'm just trying to get the interview started. My name is Jova. Okay, he seems to be, be malfunctioning here. So maybe we can... We'll take a break. We'll get him fixed up. Maybe we'll come back to him later in the show. What do you think? Yeah. Well, you can't work him in, on him in the studio. You have to take him out to the green room. Yeah, it's fine. They'll show you. Okay, well, President Joba. Thank you um, for trying, I guess, here on the Adorable Boy Podcast. Yeah, so, yeah, okay, we need to take a break. Frank and Beans is telling me. Um, well, we're cooking, I think. I think we are cooking here on the Adorable Boy Podcast. We have so much more to do. We have so much more to cook, if you will. So don't leave. Don't be, don't be a crazy person and leave. Stick around. You'll have fun. All right. The Adorable Boy Podcast. Get in touch with us. We are on X at Adorable Podcast. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. AOL keyword, Adorable Boys. We have so much more to give to you, the Adorable Boy disciples. Don't go anywhere. Because we will be right back on the Adorable Boy Podcast. This fall, Gotham's favorite roided-up madman becomes Brooklyn's favorite gynecologist. Good day, Robinsons. Um, hello? Where is our normal doctor? The other doctors are weak. They can't deliver your baby. But why not? Your great child will endure. Tomorrow we take the baby from the corrupt clutches of the uterus. The oppressor of generations who have kept your family down with myths of opportunity. And we give the baby to you, the parents. The newborn will be yours. None shall interfere. Do as you please. Well, I never thought my baby would be delivered by a man wearing a mask with tubes going from it into his back. But I guess we can trust you. No one cared who I was till I put on this mask. Why are you wearing the mask anyway? Oh, honey, it's okay. No, I think we should know. Unimportant. Now, let's just make a plan to liberate that baby from your womb. You mean a birth plan? Okay. Wonderful. Now let me walk you through the process. You will be given an epidural. I will induce labor. And I will rip the baby from your lungs. Providing they have your cooperation, 
Is there any other doctor we could see? So if you want your Thursday nights to be hilarious, check your local listings this fall for The Bane Cosby Show. Right, good to be back here on the Adorable Boy Podcast. What do you say we get into some Marxy Boy? And we still don't have the production on that, which is wonderful. All right, if you're new to the podcast, we're picking up listeners every week, every every edition. Um, so what we do here is we read a little bit of uh, Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto and we have a hearty laugh. That's what we do, just because it's so stupid and we expose its idiocy, because that's what you do with terrible ideas. You expose them to the light, and everyone sees how stupid they are. This week, though, we are going to do something a little bit different. Yes, I am going to read from the Communist Manifesto, but only very little. And then I'm going to read something else and compare the two. All right, so the first thing we will read, let me find it here. So I got an actual book, which is, you know, novel these days, I'd say. I'm all for technology, but I love the feel of a book. Call me old-fashioned. But hey, okay, so this is an excerpt from um, the writings of John Dickinson. Now, he wrote um, back revolutionary, pre-revolutionary times. He wrote a series of letters, and those were called uh, Letters from a Farmer in Pennsylvania. They were called, there were 12 letters. Um, This guy, you don't really need his background, and it doesn't really matter because I'm just talking about his words here. But just so you know, he was a pretty wealthy guy. he was the president of Delaware, I think. He served in the Congress. He, he signed the Declaration of Independence. So if you don't know John Dickinson, it doesn't really matter here, but that's a little bit of background on him. Um, so I'm going to read this. It's uh, from a, an excerpt from one of his letters to a farmer, one of, one of the 12. And um, it's basically, in this, he's talking about what the colonists' uh, grievances were. So it was written right before the Re- American Revolution. It was one of the things that, you know, help led us to revolution. So here we go. Let these truths be indelibly impressed on our minds that we cannot be happy without being free. We cannot be free without being secure in our property. That we cannot be secure in our property if, without our consent, others may, as by right, take it away. The taxes imposed on us by Parliament do thus take it away. That duties laid for the sole purpose of raising money are taxes. That attempts to lay such duties should be instantly and firmly opposed that this opposition can never be effectual unless it is the united effort of these provinces, that therefore benevolence of temper towards each other and unanimity of councils are essential to the welfare of the whole. And lastly, that for this reason, every man amongst us who in any manner would encourage either dissension, diffidence, or indifference between these colonies is an enemy to himself and to his country. We have all the rights requisite for our prosperity, the legal authority of Great Britain may indeed lay hard restrictions upon us, but like the spear of Telephus, it will cure as well as wound. Her unkindness will instruct and compel us after some time to discover in our industry or frugality surprising remedies. If our rights continue unviolated for as long as the products of our labor and the rewards of our care can properly be called our own, so long it will be worth our while to be industrious and frugal. But if when we plow, sow, reap, gather, and thresh, we find that we sow, we plow, sow, reap, gather, and thresh for others, whose pleasure it is, whose pleasure is to be the sole limitation how much they shall take and how much they shall leave. 
Why should we repeat the unprofitable toil? Horses and oxen are content with that portion of the fruits of their work, which their owners assign them, in order to keep them strong enough to raise successive crops. But even these beasts must will not submit to, to draw for their masters until they are subdued by whips and goads. Let us take care of our rights, and we therein take care of our prosperity. Slavery is ever preceded by sleep. To discharge this double duty to yourselves and to your posterity, you have nothing to do but call forth into the good sense and spirit of which you are possessed. You have nothing to do but to conduct your affairs peaceably, prudently, firmly, jointly. By these means, you will support the character of free men without losing that of faithful subjects. A good character in any government, one of the best under a British government, you will prove that Americans have the, that true magnanimity of soul that can resent injuries without falling into rage, and that though your devotion to Great Britain is the most affectionate, yet you can make proper distinctions and know what you owe to yourselves as well as to her. You will, at the same time that you advance your interests, advance your reputation. You will convince the world of the justice of your demands and the purity of your intentions, while all mankind must, with unceasing applause, confess that you indeed deserve liberty and so well understand it, so passionately love it, so temperately enjoy it, and so wisely, bravely, and virtuously assert, maintain, and defend it. So what does that all mean? And I encourage anyone to go read this stuff. Um, but what, what he's saying is that as, as subjects of the British crown, which they were and, and would have been happily, uh, they can't be free without being secure in their property. And they're never going to be secure in their property as long as the British government can take what, whatever they want for whatever reason they want. So the, the problem was that, you know, most of the colonists didn't mind paying Great Britain, you know, the regular taxes. But at some point, Great Britain started saying, okay, we're going to tax them not for their own care. We can make money off of these people and use it for our other endeavors around the world. And that's when the colonists got, that's when, yeah, the colonists got mad. And that's what led to the revolution. And what he's saying here is, you know, we're not free if you can just do whatever you want. You know, you can't do that in England. You don't do that in England. You're treating us differently. And you're really leaving us no choice but to rise up against you. And, I mean, if you get a chance to read it, read it. I know it's hard to digest something like that quickly. But it was just written beautifully, logically. Everything follows the step. Everything makes sense. There are almost no jumps of, of logic at all. Everything leads perfectly to the next thing. So what does it have to do with Marx? Well, let's see. And that was written quite a while before Marx was even born. So we can't call it a timing thing, can we? Marx could have even read that and taken examples of it, but we all know he wasn't someone to do that. All right, let's get this manifesto out. Okay, so what I'm going to read is just a little bit from chapter three. It's uh, Socialist and Communist Literature. That's what the name of the chapter. Point one, reactive, reactionary socialism, feudal socialism. And it doesn't really matter what this is about. I just want to compare the two. All right, here we go. Feudal socialism. Owing to their historical position, it became the vocation of the aristocracies of France and England to write pamphlets against modern bourgeois society. In the French Revolution of, eight, of July 1830 and in the English Reform Agitation, these aristocracies again succumbed to the hateful upstart. Thenceforth, a serious political struggle was altogether out of the question. A literary battle alone remained possible. But even in the domain of literature, the old cries of the Restoration period had become impossible. 
In order to arouse sympathy, the aristocracy was obliged to lose sight, apparently, of its own interests and to formulate its indictment against the bourgeoisie in the interest of the exploited working class alone. Thus, the aristocracy took their revenge by singing lampoons on their new masters and whispering in his ears sinister prophecies of coming catastrophe. In this way arose feudal socialism. Half lamentation, half lampoon, half an echo of the past, half menace of the future, at times by its bitter, witty, and incisive criticism, striking the bourgeoisie at the, to the very heart's core, but always ludicrous in its effect, through total incapacity to comprehend the march of modern history. All right. Now, I see much, much worse writing there. Um, for one thing, I mean, you know, whereas Dickinson was very logical in his approach, and he wasn't demonized. I mean, I guess that's the biggest thing I see. Marx has to demonize his opponents at every chance, every paragraph, basically. He must demonize his opponents. Why? Because he doesn't feel like he has a legitimate point in what he's saying, because he doesn't. His Marxism is nonsense. Um, whereas Dickinson was say, didn't demonize his opponents and, and even complimented them a lot and said, listen, you're not all bad, but this is wrong and this is what we need to fix. Whereas Marx is always, nope, our opponents are all bad all, to, all the time, everywhere. Highly dishonest. Um, and then, I mean, I've read more of Dickinson and obviously I've read more of Marx and Dickinson was someone who, who and I think a lot of the American Revolution, especially the, the seed layers for the revolution, didn't necessarily want war. They wanted England to give them all the rights that people in the, in the country of England had, you know, because they were, after all, Englishmen, Englishmen and women. i got to be politically correct. Uh, but England wouldn't do that. So slowly they took all of their, you know, writings like this and, and all of the other founding fathers. It led them to where war was the only way because England wasn't, you know, abiding by what was, what was right. Whereas Marx immediately wanted violence, completely. That's it. Violence. He, he wanted a violent overthrow of capitalism. Capitalism being everything else, basically. Dickinson was pointed and this, 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 and this are our problems. You need to fix them. Marx is, oh, everything's our problem and everyone's evil except for us. Uh, so we should kill him. I encourage you to read more from both men. One, because he's extremely intelligent and a legendary person and one of the founding fathers of this great country. And the other, because he's an idiot that we should be aware of, because there's a lot of idiots out there. Um, love to hear anyone's opinion on this. If you want to um, drop us a line. Uh, so Frank and Beans, done with Marxy Boy. Wish we had production. We don't. Um, I think I artfully made the point that Marx is just an idiot. And there are so many other greater people you could read and listen to. So there you go. Um, let's bring in... Joe Bot again. Let's try that out again. Tell him to come in. All right, wonderful. He's making his way back in here. I I forgot before I didn't um, describe what Joe Bot looks like. He's he's he kind of looks like Joe Biden. Um, he doesn't have a Joe Biden face, but he's like a robotic face, you know, metal and, and wires and stuff. But he's in a suit and he has legs and shoes and all that stuff. And he just sits him down on the thing here, and we put a mic in front of him. And it didn't go well last time, but we'll try it again. All right. Should we? Oh, okay. Yeah. There we go. President Joe Biden. Or Joe Biden. I don't know. I guess Joe Biden. All right, Joe Biden. Let's, uh, let's get down to business, huh? We already met each other. We 
introduced you. So let's just get to the questions. All right, let me get to them. My list here. Here we go. All right. Joe Bot, it is nice to see you again. My name is President Joe Bot. Okay, so it's President Joe Bot now. All right, whatever. All right, so this U Ukraine-Russia situation, it doesn't seem to be getting better. Um, it's been going on for quite a while now. And the longer it goes on, the more people die. And the more people question the motive for our involvement in the whole thing, sending money, billions and billions of dollars. Um, so tell me, how do you answer your critics who say that this whole thing is just a money laundering operation for you and your associates? I stand with Ukraine, billions, freedom, equity, inclusion, Russia bad. All right, that's better than before, Jobot, but we're still not, uh, we're not getting into the zone here. Okay, um, so what is, do you have a plan for bringing peace? I know President Trump said he would, that'd be one of his first things that he did was make it peaceful there. Um, so far, all, all that we've really done under your administration is provide weapons and money. Um, do you think, don't you think that you have a responsibility to really try to broker peace? And that involves, you know, negotiating with Russia and talking to Russia and really trying to get peace here. My administration is doing our best to ensure that there is peace, equity, and diversity in the world where there can be peace, equity, and diversity. We stand with Ukraine as long as we can hope for a peaceful, equitable, and diverse peace against Russia and all other enemies of peace, especially equity and diversity. Okay, that was pointless, but I mean, it sounded like the real Joe Biden. Let's be honest on that one. My name is President Joe Biden. Okay, great. Let's um, let's move on. Maybe we'll bring you back in later. I'm a Catholic. I'm sure you are, Joe Bot. I'm sure you are. Okay, as uh, Joe Bot gets cleaned up and brought back out to the green room, what should we do next, Frank and Beans? Oh, you want you want to take some emails or you want to take some calls? We'll do calls then emails. How's that sound? All right, all right. The lines are full as always. Every time we do a show, live and local, it's what we are. Um, all right, so let's look. Okay, I have, um, who is this? This is Iris in Bay Ridge. Iris, Iris, you're on the Adorable Boy podcast. Hello, this is Iris calling. Well, hi there, Iris. Thank you for being an Adorable Boy disciple. What, what, what's on your mind tonight? Hello and welcome. And I just, finally, I've been a big fan of this. Oh, that, thank you. I don't mean to cut you off, Iris. You sound a little nervous. Just relax. You're talking to a friend here. Just remember that. And I think what you're doing is wonderful. Well, God bless you, Iris. Thank you. You know, we're, we're trying. We're, we're fighting the good fight. That reminds me, we do have to talk about uh, the change in, in the war on kowtowing. But we'll do that later. Um, you got anything else, Iris? Or you just came on to brighten everyone's day with, with those wise words? Add it with the FDA. Okay, you're, you're mad at the FDA. We weren't, really weren't talking about uh, them in any way, but this is your forum. So you're, you're mad at the FDA. Okay, well, you know, we have, we have someone else on the line here who is also mad at the FDA, which is weird. But hey, you know, we're taking all calls. Uh, Todd, you're on the Adorable Boy podcast. Something, all the drugs are killing people left and right. And, they were, and now we know that the drug companies are, fund the FDA. In other words, if the FDA has a $80 billion budget, or whatever it is. Millions. All, yeah, gazillions. It all comes from the drug houses. Would you be crazy? surprised, I heard from a neighbor lady, that they're even behind that tsunami type of deal because it's creating more and more of a fungus. 
Okay, we have taken a turn here. Um, let's get this back on track, guys. We'll have to, uh, you know, end the call. We got a whole bunch of other calls. We got full banks to get to. But let me tell you what is a concern. The area that it occurred in was where they were doing all the sonic booms for oil right. testing. That much I've discovered. And then they yeah. started um, diseases for the blacks in Africa. And well, no, that was done by the greedy WHO. You're right. But because they were pushing the vaccine and then the WHO gave them the money for the miserable one. And You're right. Yeah. They're dying from diarrhea. They're miserable. There. I'll tell you what. Okay, guys. Uh, thank you for calling the Adorable Boy Podcast. We really appreciate it. Hey, hey listen, I got a question for you. Why is it, either for, for our listener or you guys, why is it that this is low flu season this year? I, what else is low? The vaccine. The vaccine is low. Weird, huh? It seems odd. Very odd. Now. Thank you for your call. I appreciate that. Thank you, Dr. J okay, great. That that took a turn. All right. right, let's. I guess we'll do another call, see how that goes. Um, all right. All right. Steven, you are on the Adorable Boy Podcast. Thank you. What can we do for you? I'm on again. Mom, no, I'm on again. Hey, turn on the radio. I'm on. Okay, well, this is a podcast, and we're just going to dismiss you. I've been doing this 25 years. I'm, I'm not worried at all. All right, let's try one more. Just try to salvage this. All right. Zeke, you are calling from Chula Vista. Hey, my new, my new home, home away from home. Zeke, what can we do for you on the Adorable Boy podcast? I don't like cocaine per se. I just really like the way it smells. Okay. Yep. There's no salvaging this. What the heck was that? Yeah, just no more calls. All right. Do I have time? To, I know we got to take a break again. Do I have time to uh, read the email? Yeah. I just really want to do one. All right. Good. All right. So we got emails and we got this one. Um, I won't even read it. I don't have to. But their point was they were asking why we don't have um, people from the adult industry on the podcast. Um, it was, we never really did that in the radio world either. It just wasn't our thing. Um, if you listen to most other shock jocks or people who claim to be shock jocks, having, you know, adult film stars and all that kind of stuff was kind of a staple of their shows. And we rejected it for a few reasons and we're probably going to continue to reject it. And for the same reasons, really. And I'll tell you why. The first of all, I just don't think it's good, you know, broadcasting, not good radio, not good podcast. Um, these people are often not very interesting. And when they do talk about their past and their lives and stuff, it's often very sad and still not that interesting. So it's just, it's not good. I, I don't, I think it's not the kind of entertainment that you come to the adorable boys for. You expect more out of us and we give it to you. And that's the biggest reason we don't have these people, um, adult people in the adult industry on the show. Um, and then the second reason is I feel like it contributes to the downfall of these people. So um, when you, when you would, if you would watch or listen to Howard Stern in the early 2000s, he'd have these women on, and uh, they were still relatively young, and they'd be talking about how they're not just an adult film star. They're a, a business person, and you know it go, they'll be successful way after they're done being able to – way after people want to see their body in these adult situations – um, they'll be successful because they're business people, but it never quite works out. And everyone knew, everyone knows that, and everyone knew that then. Um, these these people are, and I, and I feel bad for them. I'm not judging them. They can do what they want, but they always end up pretty unhappy, as far as I can tell. Um, end up spit out of the bottom of this industry. And once you, and when you're in that industry, 
I mean, people have a, a bias against you, right or wrong, they do. And you carry that your whole life. And I think a lot of, a lot of these stars have seen that. And I assume even in that industry, as you get older, your desire to do it becomes less and less. It gets older and older, you know, uh, to you. But then, you know, you've probably lived a, a pretty fast life and it's taken its toll on your physical looks. And now, you know, people want you less physically and you want to do it less. And But you're still stuck in it because you've been put a weight, this weight was put on you. And then Howard Stern would have, you know, Howard Stern would have you go on his show and, and do these things and, and you know. And I don't feel like that I can contribute to the downfall of a person like that. Now, listen, I know someone's going to say, oh, well, plenty of adult film stars are, uh, are happy and well into their old age. And I'm sure some are. But I think the, the overwhelming majority of them are saddled with, with these choices that they made younger in their younger years. And they were promised things by, by, by unscrupulous people. Um, they were probably stolen from, they were taken advantage of. And, you know, when they get older and they can't do that, they can't be in that industry anymore, they're alone. You know, none of these people help them. So it's sad. And I, and I never wanted to contribute to the downfall like that. And again, it's terrible radio, terrible broadcasting, terrible podcasting. So there you go. That's my answer. Uh, we're not going to do that kind of thing. We never have. We never will. You don't have to do it if you're a shock jock. I think it's a bit creatively bereft. Um, and I know, I know the, the, they weren't trying to make those things funny, you know, the Opie and Anthony and the Howard Stern and whoever else. It was kind of um, like a shock thing. But see, we shock you with ideas. We shock you with, 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 you know, genuinely shocking things. And I don't find any of that shocking. And I don't want to contribute to the downfall of anyone. That's just how I roll. And I was, I'll just say it outright. That business is an exploitive business. No two ways about it. People are free to do what they want. I get that. But that business exploits people. It exploits women. It exploits men too, I'm sure. Mostly women. Um, they, will, they will use you and they will spit you out and never care about you again. And you'll be stuck with all the mental damage, with all the emotional damage, with the physical damage, with the weight of, of what you had to do, whether you wanted to or not. That, that's, what, that, that's the truth of that industry. That industry is terrible. And while I wasn't condemning the people in that industry, because I think, you know, they made mistakes and people make mistakes, the industry is terrible. That's my opinion. But be, you're free to partake in it. Anyone is. I don't care. Whatever. What, whether it is consuming it or making it. I'm just telling you, the industry is terrible. And that's why they won't be on the Adorable Boy podcast. All right. We got to take a break here on the Adorable Boy podcast. We'll come back and wrap this thing up. Another great edition of the podcast. Uh, get in touch with us again. Uh, adorable podcast uh, at what is it at gmail.com um, on we're on X at adorable podcast AOL keyword adorable podcast and I think that's it yes all right we will be back to close this one out on the adorable boy podcast we had a funeral at my house. We had a party that night. The night it got canceled. Uh, I called, I got a call from Ed, and he said, come down to the studio. So we all met at the studio, and they told us that we weren't gonna go on. And remember, at the time, we had three Emmys in a row. We were the best show on TV. 
And we were canceled, and it was the craziest thing. And it was because uh, ABC and the producers didn't get along. You know, obviously, there was a lot of friction. They weren't particularly uh, fond of the notes from the network, the network notes. Anyway, so we had a party that night up in my, I said, listen, okay, I'm up to my, I had a house in the hills by that time, and a little house, but my first home, and I come up to the house, and we had a taxi and a coffin. It was a taxi I built, we built a car, it was crazy, and we had a cake, and everybody came up, and we partied till early in the morning, uh, and we really thought it was over. We really did. This is so interesting about getting canceled twice. Mm -hmm. But uh, we really thought it was over. And then the big thing happened. Danny got that. Uh, Suspenseful Cop Show, proud sponsor of the Adorable Boy Duel, bring to you Suspenseful Cop Show character profile. Better looking than she should be female detective. So what's it like being a detective? Oh, I see so many horrific things that it makes it impossible for me to have a relationship. And men are always intimidated by a woman in power. Oh. Then why... did Why are we on a date? Because it gives viewers a more intimate look into my character's psyche. No matter what, she always puts the victim's needs first. I know it's tough, but I promise. We're gonna put him away for good. But what if you don't find him before he gets to me? Well, then he'll probably kill you, and then we won't have any case against him. It doesn't happen too often. You want some juice? And when it's time to take care of business, she's not afraid to get her hands dirty. I'll turn the lights off. Got him. Suspenseful Cop Show. Justice is a... All right, welcome back to the Adorable Boy Podcast. Um, yes, that's what we had to do. The kowtowing thing. Okay, so you might notice we haven't done the war on kowtowing. We didn't do it last week. We didn't do it. We haven't done it today yet. Um, and that's because we're changing. You know, we're changing things. We're, we're adjusting our strategy. Cornette is, you know, we, we've soundly thrashed him over the past, you know, year probably, two years. So we're switching our concentration um and before i do this i'd like to give credit because um friends on twitter a great great podcast they go live on youtube all the time i listen whenever i can um it is total bx total bs sorry brian and shana uh on twitter it's at total bs network great great show i think you should watch it follow subscribe everything they're great and they tweeted something like last week that caught my attention and made me look into it and it was you know they could be honored to know that they shaped the the war on kowtowing as they're a part of it because they're quality podcasters. So they don't they're they're part of it in spirit. So here we go. Let me find this. There we go. Okay. I they retweeted something. And um I think it's something we should all watch. And this is gonna be the jumping off point for the war on kowtowing as we go forward. It is a documentary called Spin. And uh, what it does, back in the old days, um, if you had a satellite dish. A lot of times you could watch news broadcasts, but while they're in break on regular TV. So you would, you know, you'd pick up stuff. I don't think they're allowed to do this anymore. And that's actually in the documentary. Um, 
But you can see how the politicians and the pundits uh, behave when they don't think they're live and being recorded. That's what this tweet says. The tweet is from an account called Inversionism. Um, and they say, it's one of the most illuminating docs ever made. Uh, wait until you get to the parts with Bill Clinton and Larry King at the 14, 15 minute mark and get at the end. Um, so that's what it is. It's a documentary that basically shows these moments on the news, with, especially with politicians. And this is back in the 80s, 90s, they were showing, because this documentary is from 95. So it had to be before that, obviously. Um, and it is, it is illuminating. And it's what we all know is going on. But it's just interesting to see. I don't think this was suspected back then as much as it is now, partly because word spreads over the internet. So it basically, it, it shows the, the cooperation between the media and how the media really, really shapes things. So, you know, we, we probably shouldn't, though, of course we will, and we will prevail. The war on Cowtown is now going to focus on the media's kowtowing, not just podcasting, the news media's kowtowing, because that's how high it goes. And again, as I said, I think I said last edition, you got you to you go up that ladder and you got to snuff it out from the top. So we're climbing up the ladder. I don't know if the media is the top, probably isn't, but we're moving up that, that rung to that one. So the media's kowtowing will be exposed every week here on the Adorable Boy Podcast. Don't think we forgot about you, Jim Cornette, or the other other kowtowing podcasters, because podcasting is near and dear to our hearts. We will not stop that. We may not do it every week. We may only do it once in a while. But we're not going to stop fighting the kowtowing in the podcast realm. We're just expanding the war, the battle, the, the, the crusade. We're expanding it to the media. So watch out. Next edition of the Adorable Boy podcast, it's going down. All right. So there we go. There's an update. Thank you, Brian and Shana. Again, uh, Total BS. Let me look that up again. Make sure I got the Twitter handle right. Yes. Total BS, Brian and Shana, um, at Total BS Network on X. So there you go. The war on kowtowing continues. And that documentary is really good. It really shows how the media shapes things and how they work with candidates. It's really, really interesting. We're going to go over a few clips from that next week. All right, so do we want to try uh, Joe Bot again? Yeah? Okay. I will try again, I guess. We're gluttons for punishment. Tell him to bring him in. All right, here he is sitting in front of me again. All right, Joe Bot. Uh, we'll try this one more time. Okay, so here's, here's my next question. So your son Hunter's business dealings have really become a big deal, whether the accusation is true or false. Do you see this being a barrier to your reelection? My son Hunter is the best person I know. I got to tell you, this creator guy, this this robot is just like the real Joe Biden. That, that's not really an answer, though, Joe Bot, uh, President Joe Bot. Uh, were you involved in his business dealings? You said that you never spoke about business with him, but now we know that's not true, and you've admitted that you have. Um, you also had many correspondences with his bitter business partners. If you had no involvement, why did you lie about it? My son Hunter is a talented artist, great father, and good man. Good father, even to the granddaughter that you just recently acknowledged the existence of? Malarkey, malarkey, malarkey. Okay, okay, he's, he's, uh, he's getting a little distressed here in front of me. I don't want a, a big thing here. I'll dial it back, okay. Uh, let's see. Hmm. Tara Reed. All right, well, that was expected. Old Jobot blew up. Luckily, we had him behind a shield, so that was my smart idea. All right, there's one more thing I wanted to get to 
before we uh, said goodbye. Um, so I have my friend Randy the Rocket Rosenthal, great wrestler. Um, I think he's appearing uh, pretty soon. They're having a big event um, when the slam breaks, and that's at the Hoover Dam. I'll, I'll give you some more information about that. We actually had, I, I should have him call in because um, he's really familiar with what I'm about to talk about. But um, he introduced me to a subreddit, which is now gone, but we'll get into that. Uh, for the old Opie and Anthony show, he introduced me to that years and years ago. And, you know, I, I looked at it. I wasn't on it much. He, he participated more than I did. Um, and so I'll lay the groundwork here. Uh, the Open Anthony subreddit was, is, it's still around. It's in a different form. But it's a place where Opie and Anthony fans got together and made some of the most vile jokes on the planet. D don't get me wrong. Like, there are a lot, you go there and there's a lot of vileness. But it's also very funny. Very, very funny. Um, so I've been going there, checking in, in and out for a few years. I don't ever really post. Randy does sometimes. Um, but anyway, it's a place, you know, they would kind of, and, and their influence was felt way outside of Reddit. Uh, they would latch on to someone, and if they didn't like him, they really would, would mess with them, I'd say. Well, I'll just say that. Uh, one, one, you know, they didn't like uh, Anthony's brother, so they really went after him culminating in a, uh, an appearance on the Supreme, on the uh, People's Court, which is very, very funny. Um, Anthony from Opie and Anthony, that is. So they'll find these people and, you know, just mess with them. And really, though, it's the internet. So they know this. And this is why I think they enjoy it so much, because they know that if you don't give them a reaction, they'll, they'll move off of you. That's just what it is. So the people who keep giving them reactions for years and years and years must be pretty pretty insane, pretty insanely narcissistic. So now that that's settled, you know what the Opie and Anthony subreddit is. There was a writer, went by the name of uh, Patrick, I think. And I've been watching this play out over the years. I'm not as familiar as I should be with it, but enough for this, for this story. Uh, so he writes sci-fi novels, I guess. Um, I don't think they're any good. I'm, you know, I've never read one. I, I don't know if he publishes, publishes them himself or if he, has a, if he has a publisher, but I don't think he's written anything in a while. And he was, he's on Twitter a lot and has been. And that was like his big thing. He loved Twitter. And unfortunately, that's how he met the Opie and Anthony subreddit. Um, I think he had something like, he had a lot of followers in the thousands. I don't know exactly how much. It was 35,000 or 350, whatever it was. I had a lot of followers and he, he took pride in that. And one day... Uh, he decided to tweet that Norm Macdonald wasn't funny. Because Norm Macdonald said something that the liberal, because this guy's a flaming liberal. And Norm Macdonald said something the liberals didn't like, so of course they all jump on him. And he said this. And the Opie and Anthony subreddit got a hold of it. And from what I've seen, it's led to the, just a, a steep decline for this man. Now, this guy, as we learn, you know, he's, he's a little his actions are a little questionable. So maybe he probably would have had a decline anyway, but it wouldn't have been funny and we wouldn't have gotten to see it otherwise, probably. But yeah, he tweeted, Norm MacDonald isn't funny and they just went after him. And I mean, I'm not on social media much. My team does handles that for us, but I look in and I know, you know, he puts his face on, he puts his name, he's, 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 that's his author name, whatever name he uses on Twitter. Um, 
and he just would not let it go. He fought these people and he fought these people and he fought these people for no reason, really. They would have had no effect on his life if he just stopped. Turns out, after a while, he got his Twitter account suspended. And he, he went nuts after that. And they're the reason that the ONA subreddit was taken off of Reddit. You know, them and, and other things. But, and I think, I don't know how much he spent, but he spent legal fees, probably in the thousands, to get it back. This obsessive guy. And even when he got it back, he still was going after them. Now, he says that they're swatting him. They say he might be swatting himself. I don't know what the truth is. I have no idea. But if he is getting swatted, he's getting swatted because he would, he, he couldn't let, let these people think they got the best of him. And they could only get the best of him because he doesn't know who they are. They know exactly who he is. It's a group of them. And they're just messing with him. And multiple people have told him, listen, just let it go. It's, it's, it's destroying your life. You lost your Twitter account, which you love, and we'll get into what else happened to him. But he just never would stop. And he would call everyone child. So this has been going on for years and years. And, you know, then I, I, I kind of dropped out of loop for a while. And now I've heard about it again for, through Randy. And I don't know what happened. Apparently he owes legal fees. I guess he sued someone. I have no idea. I don't know what, it, but I, they're saying he owes legal fees to the tune of like $50,000. Um, and, and I just, the reason I'm bringing this up because it just strikes me all he ever had to do. He had multiple times where he could have said, listen, this is getting out of control. I'll just stop talking to them. I'll just stop giving them what they want. But he couldn't. He made fun of Norm MacDonald, you know, out of the blue one day. Who cares? Just let it go. But he couldn't. And now he's, he's like, I mean, from what I can see, he's destroyed his life over it. I mean, it, it seems to be all consuming. There's news reports. There's all this stuff about these, these online stalkers. And all he had to do was stop. But I guess, his, I, guess I would call them narcissistic tendencies, I guess. I don't know. He could not let them think they won. But they don't think they I mean, they have won. But they don't really care if they win. It's just about annoying you. And it can be funny. But you just couldn't, you couldn't be, a, you couldn't be a normal person, this guy. Talking, maybe he, he probably, he might be listening, who knows. But he, he couldn't just be a normal person and let it go. And that's, you know, that's, uh, uh, and the, re the reason I'm bringing this up, that's kind of a nutshell of what's going on. You know, there are people who, who don't want to be happy, don't want to be successful. They will sabotage themselves. And I think that's what he's done over a stupid Twitter comment. But if it wasn't that, it would have been something else. But I think it's important to identify what we're against as, as sane people, as good people, people who don't kowtow. You know, this person destroyed his life for nothing. So imagine how much he values anyone else's life, right? I mean, it's only logical. I wouldn't think it'd be too much. So that's what we're fighting against. We, we're fighting against people who don't value life. And this guy, he sticks out to me as an example of it. And the adorable boys will continue the fight every day because life is great. I mean, you know, even, you know, my life probably better than most, but everyone's life is great. You know, you can find happiness no matter who you are. For me, it's easy. I got the mansions, the cars, the whatever, the number one highly rated. I, I don't know if I can say number one yet, but highly rated uh, podcast. We got to be aware of people like this. You know, he could, and I, I just, it, it, it boggles my mind that he never just stopped and said, listen, this is going out from, this is getting out of the online realm into my real life. 
you know, if he does owe thousands of dollars, I mean, he did get his Twitter account suspended. If people are really swatting him, just take the loss. It's not even a big loss. You won't even remember it a week later if he took the loss. But he couldn't. He wouldn't listen. Because he doesn't value his own life, I don't think. Or his own happiness, at least. So there you go. Just a lesson at the end of this Adorable Boy podcast. I think it's, uh, it's appropriate. That's what we're fighting against. And if you're one of those people, if you don't value your own life, start valuing it. Start finding happiness. No matter what you got to do, do it. Be like the adorable boys. That's what I say. That's what I always say, though. All right, Frank, it means we done? Okay. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. I'd like to thank Frank and Beans. You did a pretty good job today. Thank you, the JoeBot handler, for bringing JoeBot in. That was enlightening and expected. Um, we got so much more coming up for you in the near future. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for being here with us, fighting the good fight. Thank you for being adorable boy disciples. We will see you next time. Stay safe. Stay happy. That's what I got to say. And keep listening to the Adorable Boy Podcast.